Engage is a call to action, a challenge to make a difference, an imperative to serve, a directive to be the church, advancing the kingdom, and transforming our city. And now, the host of Engage, Gene Hildebrand. Hi, I'd like to welcome you to the program today. Thank you so much for uh, listening. I know that your time is valuable and that you're making an investment of that time, and we certainly want to ensure that you receive a great return on your investment. Uh, We do that by bringing in some uh, intriguing, interesting, and even awe-inspiring Christian leaders throughout San Antonio uh, to share their stories and their testimonies and their uh, 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 ministries with you. And today I have in the studio with me uh, Pastor Zach Cherian of Brazen Grace Fellowship. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful, sir. <laughs> Man, we've had the opportunity to visit even before we got started in this recording, and I'm already uh, pumped up and excited so uh, just as a result of uh, sharing with you earlier. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and where you come from, Zach. So I'm a preacher's kid born and raised in South India. Um, grew up with uh, some great parents, encountered the Lord in 1993, radically saved. Yes. Had a had a great encounter with Jesus, entered ministry not long after, served in India for a few years. Um, and then the Lord amazingly moved us to America in 2002, served with the church for about seven years. And in 2009, we started our international ministry. Um, 2013, started a church, uh, all based on really preaching about this unbelievable uh, love of God and the incredible grace of God. Amen. You know, I see grace in the name yeah. of a lot of churches, yeah. but I don't believe that I've ever seen brazen <laughs> grace or the word brazen yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the name of any church right. other than yours. Uh, what led you to uh, to attach that particular well, word? When we started the international ministry, um, we started a youth ministry in all the campuses. We had a okay. presence in a lot of the universities in town. And so we would set up a big, large concert, kind of a rock concert-like deal. And yeah. as soon as I have about 150 people show up to hear the music, I would jump up and preach the gospel. All right. uh, and that ministry was called Brazen, which really comes from Romans 1, verse 16. I am not ashamed yes. of the gospel. So yes. it's really about this concept of being not ashamed. But if you keep reading that verse, it says, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was, that was just a powerful revelation that the, that the gospel, or the true gospel that Paul calls the true gospel of Jesus uh, is the gospel of his grace and his goodness. Amen. You know, and I, I appreciated that, and it really got my attention because, uh, you know, I think so many times people mistakenly uh, think of grace as something that's passive. Right. You know, and uh, and grace, I guess, like faith, is active. Absolutely. And it's powerful. Amen. Right. And and uh, And when you attach that word brazen to grace, <laughs> I mean, it really... It really spoke spoke to me, and I really appreciate the fact that you uh, use that name. Man. I'm glad. I'm glad people will remember it. <laughs> yeah, it jumps out at you. Sure, it really does. Sure. And uh, I had the opportunity to attend a conference that uh, you hosted uh, there at your church uh, not too long ago, mm-hmm. <clears throat> right and, in the middle uh, of the hurricane. Yeah, I was. I, I had. Was. I didn't remember that, yeah. but uh, um, you know that service. Uh, I think was also somewhat brazen, you know, and <laughs> radical, sure. right? And and I just love that. You know, I think that it's time uh, here in San Antonio, in the world, in God's economy, in the kingdom, uh, for people to step out who are mm. radical. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, one of the privileges I have 
because of being an evangelist before I became a pastor, uh, was seeing a lot of young people who have come to the Lord that serve God. And I think one of the words to describe young people would be brazen, um, <laughs> whether it's for the world or for the Lord. And uh, I just am grateful that they're brazen for the kingdom yeah. and for what God is doing. And so um, we're really blessed. And Brazen Grace is a multicultural church of all backgrounds, yes, all is. ages, and as you've seen already. Yes. But we do have a brazen group of people that are not ashamed of the gospel and really to manifest that love of God to every person, no matter what your background is, what you're doing, what you're not doing, what you're living up to and what you're not living up to, to yeah. just show them the love of God, whether it's in, in preaching the gospel and the goodness of God or really praying for the sick and seeing them healed through the mm-hmm. love of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, you know, we used to uh, pray every now and then for holy boldness. Yeah. And we thought that was the uh, epitome, really. You know, yeah, if we yeah. could just get holy boldness, <laughs> right. we'd be good, right? Right, right? I mean, that would that would at least motivate us to get out of our pews, you know, right. and into the community and so forth. But when you use that word brazen, yeah. I mean, it's like carrying it to another level, carrying boldness <laughs> yeah. to a whole different plateau, you know. Yeah. So uh, I, I think anybody that's listening, that uh, where is your church lo- located? So we that- currently meet at uh, Harris Middle School on Judson in 1604 uh, every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Uh, I've been a worship leader for over 25 years. Currently, I'm a recovering worship leader. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I can tell you this for a fact that some of the best worship you'll ever hear, um, some of the greatest and most anointed humble people that are being used by the Lord mightily at Brazen Grace, um, and, and the preacher's not so bad. Either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, uh, Bethel is probably one of my favorite groups, yeah. and uh, and I really felt a, a lot of the the anointing, if Absolutely. you will, uh, of Bethel, yeah, yeah. uh, coming through the we worship love, we team love, there. We love the worship uh, there. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. They have greatly influenced our church. Yeah. So <clears throat> what people of course hear the word grace all the time. Uh, but I'm not sure that they really have a revelation right. of what grace really is. And we were talking earlier. I mean, when you really have a revelation of grace, I mean, it changes everything, everything. doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it changes our our attitudes. It changes our paradigm. Absolutely. You know, I mean, what <laughs> looked one way before looks totally different. Absolutely. After you have a revelation of grace, and and uh, what what are some of the scriptures that are really significant to you in, in the message of grace that? Help to open your eyes and open your heart to this uh, gospel. I was in 2007. I just hit a wall. I'd been in ministry about 11 years at that point, having a great job, working for some good people. Um, but it just felt like I was burnt out. And what happened was there was a conference that I would minister at in the Northeast every year. And I'd gone three years in a row to minister at this conference. And like the good Pentecostal boy that I was and raised to be, and I'm proud of my roots, Um, I thought that my job at a youth camp was to call out their sins and to command them to repent and and fill the altars and then put it in the newsletter, you know. And I did that the first year, and I called out every sin I could think of. And, you know, the altars were packed as usual. And I went home thinking, wow, that was a great harvest. I came back the next year. This time, you know, I thought, man, I'm going to have to add a few more things to the list of sins that I may have missed the last time. So I added a few more things and called out a few more and the altars were packed again. There was there was just one problem. I looked down and I said, wait a second. Didn't all of you repent last year? It was the same people at the altar again. And just kind of went home to my hotel room really confused, came back the third year. This time I thought maybe I just didn't put enough last year 
That's why the same people showed up again. So I added, uh, I mean, in India, as we call masala, I mean, I added a few, some spices to that <laughs> list of sins and just called some stuff out. It was the same group of people again, except this time they were looking at me with broken eyes saying, Pastor, we really are trying. We can't get over this. Yeah. I went home. I went to the whole room, actually, my hotel room, really messed up. And I thought to myself, the gospel that the Bible tells me is the power of God into salvation. This gospel that I preach should transform lives. And all I'm seeing is a recycled bunch of same people mm. coming back every year, which would look good on newsletter. But in my heart of hearts, I just knew this was not it. And, and that, along with a lot of other things, just came to the end of myself. And I remember that night in the, in the hotel room crying out to God saying, God, something needs to change. I don't know what I am missing. And the Lord speaks to me that day in the room and said, Zach, all you are telling these people is who they know or who they think they are. And then the Lord spoke to me these words that changed my life forever. He said, stop telling them who they think they are. Start telling them who I say they are. <laughs> and after many years in ministry, I remember sitting in that room telling the Lord, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. And there began a journey of God, not teaching me, but unteaching or unlearning yeah. things that I had learned over the years right. about this bipolar God who, who's mad at times and happy at times. And if you get him on a good day, you're lucky. And if you're not... And I started to realize that he doesn't change. He's a yes, good God. Yes. And I started to see the love of God that has been shed abroad. This mm. unbelievable, this God so loved. It's one thing to love the world. It's nothing to so love the world. And to really get a revelation to understand that the fullness of God was revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. That I have no permission to look for God in anything or anyone else other than the person of Jesus Christ. That it is scripturally inaccurate to find any revelation of God of my, that I have yeah. from anyone other than Jesus, because he was God. He was the revelation of God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then the more you study the person of Jesus Christ through the cross and the finished work, completely transformed my life. And I realized grace was not something that just saves me. Peter, in fact, says, grow in the grace. So the growth is not from grace. So when you hear certain people say, grace is the foundation, but then you grow from it. You don't grow from grace. You don't grow from Jesus, because you know, as one famous preacher says, grace is not just a theology. Grace is actually a person, mm -hmm. and his name is Jesus. How do you grow out of Jesus? Uh, when you understand this unbelievable love that there's nothing you can do that can make God stop loving you, mm -hmm. that there's nothing you can say to make God change his mind about you, that God's mind is set about you. And when you understand that Jesus came not just to reveal what God was like, but to also reveal how God sees us. And that Jesus is how God sees someone in Christ. And that powerful revelation that I'm not trying to become something, I am already made that because I'm in Christ. It just changed our life. And, and this journey has continued over the years, and, and it's been transforming uh, lives. Even as an evangelist, I traveled for many years after that around the world. I still do a little bit. Uh, the church doesn't let me travel as much anymore. But we, when I do travel, we, see, we do mass crusades. And just preaching this goodness of God is amazing. Amen. And it's good to tell people that the same Jesus who saved you is the same Jesus who keeps you. Because, you know, oftentimes we, Jesus changes once we get saved. Right. And I remember a young man who came and told me, he's like, man, I missed the Jesus when I got saved because he's mad now. <laughs> you know, I want, I want the old Jesus back. And it's the truth is he doesn't change. He's the same loving God. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's as if, as Christians, we we have greater grace when we're sinners yeah. than, than we do when we're saved, absolutely, right? Absolutely. And that's absurd, really, yeah, isn't it? It's just really kind of ludicrous to think that, yeah, you know? Yeah. So one of the things that I've heard as you were talking, you know, is a, a focus and emphasis on yeah. what I think we could call righteousness consciousness absolutely. as opposed to sin consciousness. Right. And, of course, we know that we, we have sin. We right. do sin. 
but the but the emphasis and the focus uh, should be on who we are right. in Christ. You mentioned earlier as you were speaking, you know, now it's important not to know to, to know who Christ is, right. him fully, him revealed, him as the exact representation of the nature of God. But likewise, once we know who he is, then we find our identity Absolutely. in him. Right. And we are conformed to his image. Absolutely. Amen. And and that is just so freeing. And oh, yes. and when the when the word of God says he uh, whom the son has set free is free indeed, indeed. I mean, man, that takes on a whole different level of power when you understand mm. the reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. We are not bound by religion. No. We're not bound by performance mentality. Right. You know, and I think we in America particularly, and maybe you could address this coming from India and not America, but I think in America in particular, we are driven by a performance standard. Yeah. You know, it's up to us. We're to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. You know, we're to accomplish and achieve and to be successful and all of this sort of stuff. And, And, you know, that's not to say that God doesn't want those things for us. But it's to say that it's not up to us that we have to rely upon the grace and the power and the indwelling spirit of Christ Mm. to do those things. Uh, One of those scriptures that I came across, you know, uh, that I'd read for 30 years and thought I understood uh, was in in John 14, I believe, when he's talking about uh, the vine life, you know, and, and down in that passage, it says, apart from me, you can do you nothing. Can do nothing. Mm. And, and you know, Pastor, I, I thought that that meant that there were some things, even insignificant that they might be, but nevertheless, some things that I could do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe, maybe that all of the spiritual things were up to him, but all of the financial things were up to me, right, you know, right. as an example. But no, it says nothing, nothing, literally nothing. And so when we understand that, there we come to a place of total reliance and total dependence trust, upon yeah. him, total trust. Absolutely. Amen. You know, uh, First Peter says all things, all things pertaining to life yes. and godliness. Yeah. There's nothing that's missing. Yeah. Everything that you need for life and godliness has already been made available to you. <laughs> Through Jesus Christ, all things. I think the sad reality of the church is, you know, the Bible says, my people perish because of a lack of knowledge. Mm. And you wonder, what is it that we don't know? We don't know who we are. And, and I think we have, for good reason, studied a lot about who God is, and I think that's important. Mm-hmm. But I believe that the revelation of Christ is incomplete without the revelation of who you are in Christ. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, God's not having a bad day, so he doesn't need you to find out who he is and so you can sing a good song about him. He wants you to get a revelation of who he is, so in that revelation, you actually get a revelation of who you are. Because the devil's having a heyday hiding from us who we are in Christ. And it's the same temptation we see in the Garden of Eden, you know. Adam and Eve are lied to by the devil to eat a fruit so they could become something they already were in the very likeness and image of God. And Satan does that again, we see with Jesus in, in the wilderness, 
you know, the messed up garden. Mm-hmm. And you see him trying to say, prove to me that you, you are the son of God. And I think the church has fallen prey to that temptation to prove who they are by praying or fasting and doing and doing, which are all good things. But they try to do things to prove who they are rather than accepting who right. God says they are. I believe First Peter 2.9 is not an expectation. It's a declaration. Yeah. You are a chosen generation. That's not saying, oh, God, what do I need to do to become right. a chosen generation? Right. You are royal priesthood. You are holy. Whoa, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. Holy? Yeah. How can you even call anything other than God holy? Because I am in Christ. Right. I am just as holy as Christ is. Now, that sounds brazen, doesn't it? Yes. But the truth is that is the truth of what God mm-hmm. says. And when we can accept who God says we are, then we manifest who God says we are because it really begins with us believing God's word first. And, and the truth is the gospel is unbelievable. Mm. It's too good to be true mm. news, isn't it? Mm. But by faith, when we believe what Jesus has done for us, and not just for us, but as us. And I really believe that the most important key that, that we need to teach the body of Christ is not just that Jesus did it for me, but he did it as me, the substitutionary work of Christ. I didn't have to die. He already died for me, mm. you know? Um, kind of like the blood that was on the doorpost in Egypt. When they saw the blood, it didn't just say Passover. It said that there was, there's been a death. That's already happened, so you don't have to kill anybody here. Mm-hmm. In the same way, when the enemy sees us, he sees the blood over us, and he says, there's already been a death paid. Yeah. You know, I already died in Christ. Mm-hmm. I don't have to keep dying. You know, Christian life ended up becoming this suicidal, uh, suicidal life of people trying to kill themselves daily, and you get the revelation, no, I died already. Yes. I was yes. crucified in Christ. Yes. And now I can live this resurrected life that he has given to us for free. And that's the beauty of this gospel of the goodness and grace of God. So are you taking this message back to India here and there? Or? I do a lot. And see, in India, we need it a lot more because, mm-hmm. sadly, religion creeps into our Christianity. Mm-hmm. And even though people come out of religion, they kind of come into a new religion called Christianity. Yeah. And now they turn that into a works-based thing. And yeah. you better do this and you better do that and, and end up becoming a lot of doo-doo. Uh, and, you know, rather than that, to receive the free gift of Jesus Christ, to receive what he has already done on the cross and to live in it and manifest it. I really believe if this message can be preached and there's different varieties of it. And, you know, we can disagree on the theology of some things, but that doesn't mm-hmm. matter if we could come together on the fact that it is finished. Mm-hmm. And I really believe what the church is growing in is the greater revelation of what it is finished really means, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I think one of the uh, one of the things that uh, that has spoken my heart is Matthew eleven twenty eight, which Jesus says, "You know, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and mm. I will give you rest." Mm. And just like uh, the we've we've kind of talked about the differences between righteousness consciousness and sin consciousness mm-hmm. again between works and and freedom and mm-hmm. liberty. You know, I think that that we could also look at the difference between stress and rest. Absolutely. You know, I mean, works and legalism and performance mentality is going to produce stress. It's going to wear you out. And you said it earlier, it burned you out. Burned me out. You know, the only way to live victoriously in Christ is to rest. Absolutely. You know, Jesus him. said his yoke is easy. Amen. His burden is light. That's if right. it's too heavy on you, it's probably not from God. And it's going to fit. Yeah, you know, it's not ill-fitting. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Amen. This is beautiful news. This is good news. It is good news, man. It's exciting news. And I praise God that uh, it's becoming uh, more prevalent in the church uh, all the time. And uh, 
and I'm thankful for the exchanged life Amen. in Christ, yes. aren't you? Yes. That we give him our life, and in return, he gives us his That's life, true. and we walk in his life. Mm-hmm. He is not only the way and the truth, but he is the life. life. Yeah. I want his life. Amen. I want to live yeah. in Christ. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor, for uh, being here today. Man, I, I, I'm, I'm refreshed as a result of uh, this exchange, and I trust that uh, the people listening today are as well. I want to thank my strategic partners who make this possible, Joshua Initiative, Jesus Lives in My City, Champions Media, The King Movement, Abba Father's Christian Store, and of course, as always, AM630, The Word, KSLR Radio. Thank you so much. I'm Gene Hildebrand. Engage.